Good morning, everyone. Glad you're here. Love for you to have your Bibles open to Matthew chapter 6. That's where we're going to be. We've been now for the last, I think this is the fifth week on this journey, going uh, through a very familiar prayer, whatever faith background or tradition uh, you bring to this place today, you are probably familiar in some way with this prayer, the Lord's Prayer, and uh, probably have prayed it. Um, in different settings, and uh, we've been learning from it over these five weeks. Uh, Matthew chapter 6 is where we're going to spend our time. So our kids had Thursday and Friday off from school, so we decided to make a quick trip out to Pennsylvania to visit uh, with some friends. And I realized again that long car trips are really such a gift uh, to families, and uh, they really just bring out, unlike any other experience, the best in, in families. There's just something about being confused find to that space over a long period of time, can't do anything else, and it just, everything it brings up. Uh, and so I've realized we make a number of long trips to see my family in Massachusetts, so we, we've done this a number of times, and realized uh, it's crucial that you have the right supplies, provisions to make the trip uh, where you're going. Two things really come to mind. One, food. Um, it, it's so interesting. My kids, can. it seems like sometimes they go a whole day without eating and they're fine. You get them in the car, it's like every 10 minutes, I'm hungry, I need something to eat. I mean, you're throwing granola bars in the back, peanut M&Ms, I mean, whatever, like just can't, apples and banana. I mean, just, to, but you know, they're just supplies, uh, nourishment you need on the trip. And secondly, electronics. Uh, every time we take a trip like this, I think back to my parents, and I'm like, how in the world did they do it? <laughs> I really don't know. Like, we didn't make a lot of long car trips, but like, when we did, uh, I mean, I didn't have anything like this, like my, my kids have today. Like, my electronic was my Walkman. Like, and two hours into the trip, the batteries are dead, and, <laughs> you know, and I'm doing a word find, or I'm playing I Spy. And I spy at 70 miles an hour. I don't know about you, but it's a tough game to play. Uh, but my kids will say, like, I'm bored as we're driving. And I'm like, you're bored? Do you have any idea what you can do in the car as we drive? You can watch a movie. You can play video games. You can watch videos on your like my phone. Like, the amount of technology in front of what you can do is amazing. And anyway, so supplies, provisions. There's something about having the right provisions to accomplish a task. We see that in our physical worlds. We see that in our spiritual world. That having the right supplies, the right provision, the right resources are needed to accomplish a task. And that's really what I want us to unpack today. I want us to think about what are the, what, how, what, what are the provisions we need? What does God even ask us to pray as it relates to finishing a task? And that's where we find ourselves today as it relates to the Lord's Prayer. We find ourselves in this phrase, give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. And what I believe Jesus is talking about there is provision. It's resources. It's supplies. It's what you and I need to accomplish what he's asked us to do. And I want to read again, we've been reading over these weeks, every time we get together, we read a portion of the Lord's Prayer. And I want to read again what what was taking place before, what Jesus said before, because it ties right into what we're talking about today. We can't disconnect what we're talking about today with what we've already talked about. 
So Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, it says, Then this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then this phrase today, give us today our daily bread. So Jesus, before all of this, has talked about the, the context of the whole prayer is relationship. It's about being with the Father. And then from there, we move into hallowed or holy or set apart, be your name, uh, unlike any other name. And then we move into your kingdom come and your will be done. So Jesus is presenting us with a, this is how I want you to live. I want you to live in such a way that my kingdom comes through you. People see a tangible expression of my kingdom coming through the way you live. My will being done through the way you live your life. And the reality is, I hope you feel, we should all feel this sense of, I can't in and of myself make the kingdom show up. And I can't in and of myself make God's will be done. I need divine provision to do that. And I believe that's where Jesus goes in the next portion of this prayer. Sometimes there is a sense of a transition here in this prayer. And, and, and some have taken the transition while the first three petitions in the prayer are kind of directed more towards God and God, your kingdom, your name, your kingdom, your will, and it, rightfully so. And then we move to, we need food, we need forgiveness, we need to forgive others in temptation. And it's more on us. And I think that is true to some degree. But at the same time, we can't miss that Jesus is teaching one model of praying. It's not two different models. He's not saying, okay, I'm done teaching this model. I'm moving to a second model. But it's one seamless model. So there's a connection between what I've already prayed and what we're going to pray next. And I believe what the praying next about this God give us today our daily bread is a sense of provision. That you need provision from heaven to earth to help you and I live out his kingdom and live out his will. We can't do it on our own. Let me just give you one example. Again, we talked about how Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is, is the whole context is the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Pastor Jim just read a passage from Matthew chapter 7 a few moments ago. That's, that's the entire teaching is the Sermon on the Mount. So the whole Sermon on the Mount, it, most of it is about the kingdom. What does it look like to live in light of God's kingdom, if we're citizens of the kingdom, what does it look like? In many ways, it's challenging. It's countercultural. So one example, he says this in Matthew chapter 5, you have heard it said, love your enemy and hate your, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That makes sense. Love people that are kind to me and hate those that are my enemies. That makes sense. But then Jesus says, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Pray for those who want to take your life. Pray for them. So that's just one example that I, of among many, in the, just in the Sermon on the Mount, where it's the sense of we cannot make this happen alone. Like we can't manufacture this. There has to be divine resources, bread given to us to live out the way, live out the kingdom, live out God's will. I believe bread, I'm using bread in this story, in this prayer, in a more symbolic way. I don't believe this is just a prayer about food. Although it is appropriate to pray, God, you know what we need today to sustain our lives. Would you give it to us? I think that is an appropriate prayer. But I don't think it's just limited to having food on the table tonight. 
It's bigger than that. It's about physical needs. It's about spiritual needs. Provision is what God is asking us. Jesus is asking us to pray about. So just a few thoughts about how we're going to go at this today, and then we'll dive into it. So we're going to go at it from the sense of not as the individual, like give me what I need today, God, my family, but we're going to go at it from the sense of the community, the collective. Uh, because in the West here, we, our mind, or it's maybe the hard wiring in us, we naturally think first the individual, then the group. When we interpret scripture sometimes here in the West, it is, what does that mean to me? I'm not saying that's wrong. That's a, that's a good thing to do. But at the same time, we also have to think about the community, collective, plural. It's even in this prayer. We talked about our Father. And even here, give, it doesn't say give me my daily bread or my family, but it says give us. Give us today our daily bread. So I want to come at it not from what does what do we need as individuals, what is the provision we need as individuals, although that's an appropriate way to come at it. I want us to look at it, what does Hope Church, what does it mean for Hope Church to pray and, and talk about God's provision for us? And then another thing is, as we go through this, we're going to use another story as to learn from, because I believe as Jesus prayed this prayer and taught this prayer, there was, especially this part of the prayer, give us today our daily bread, most of his hearers that day would have been Jews. And from a young age, the, the, these, these Jews would have heard the story of the Exodus, of God's people being set free from Egypt, wandering in the wilderness 40 years. And what they would have heard was the story about how God provided daily bread for them every single day in the wilderness. And I believe, even as Jesus is saying this portion of the prayer, there's a sense of God's provision for his people on their journey from captivity to the promised land. And just a side note, I believe their journey in some ways is our journey as followers of Jesus. Now, we're not being set free from a, a taskmaster, a slave, chains on our wrists, Matt, slaves. But if you and I, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have been set free from sin. And what's the journey? We are journeying to the promised land. And what do we need along the way? divine provision every day from God to help us live, about his, live a life that's about his kingdom and about his will being done and his name being hallowed in this, in this place. We need his help. So that's kind of, we're going to talk a little bit about that story as we go through. Uh, but I just want to talk today just quickly about three realities as it relates to God's provision. What does it mean for us as we pray this prayer? What do we need to be aware of as it relates to God's provision? First, and it, it's very elementary, but it's important to talk about, God is the source of our provision. It's not something we manufacture. It's not something we can make happen. Uh, but God is the source. It's even in this prayer. We, we come from a position of humility. That we need something. We lack. 
When you ask for something, you are asking because you lack it. Whatever it is, you lack it and you, and you need something. So you are asking and we are calling out to God, our father, we can't forget that piece, who's a good father. We're calling out to him. We're saying we need what it might be physical uh, resources. It might be food. It might be clothing. It might be issues with our car. It might be issues in our home. There are physical realities. And there are spiritual realities that we need his help. We need his provision from heaven. And he's the source. And it's even interesting to be reminded, to be reminded of uh, even earlier in this passage when Jesus said, don't pray like the pagans. Because what do the pagans do? The pagans babble on with so many words, thinking they'll be heard. What they're doing is they're throwing up, lofting up all these different requests. God, I need this, and I need this. And they're throwing up all these requests to all these various gods, hoping that one will stick like Velcro, and they'll do something about it. And then Jesus says, don't pray like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. He already knows He knows even better than what you and I think we need. He knows. And he invites us to ask. But we're reminded that God is the source. He's the one that provides for what we need. Again, going back to the the Exodus uh, journey, Exodus 16. Again, if you're unfamiliar with the story, they've been captives in, in Egypt, uh, slaves in Egypt for a number of years. They're set free of the plagues and that whole story, and they're set free, and now they've, they've uh, crossed the Red Sea. The Egyptians drowned, and they're wandering in the wilderness, and now they realize, okay, we only have food that's going to last us a little bit of time. Like, this wasn't a, you can pack up enough resources to make it the years we're going to be out in the wilderness, so now they're realizing, what are we going to do? We're going to die out here. Literally, we've been set free, and now we're going to die. Thanks, Moses. Thanks for taking us out of there. And there's even a sense of like, it would have been better to... This is amazing to me. But I think to some degree, this is still true with humanity. Like they even say, it'd be better to be back as slaves than be free. And and they realized when they were in Egypt, they sat around fires and they had pots filled with meat. And now we have nothing. And they complain, they grumble quite a bit. They grumble to Moses, they grumble to Aaron. God hears their grumbling and he responds. He tells Moses and Aaron, here's how I'm going to provide. And and, and I'm going to provide bread and I'm going to provide quail, I'm going to provide meat for them to eat. It's going to be divinely orchestrated. You're not going to be able to manufacture it or make it happen. You're not going to be producing bread every day. You're not going to, you know, make these birds, the quail appear. But I'm going to provide. And why? To know I'm the source. In verse 6 of chapter 16 of Exodus, it says, So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites in the evening, You will know, you'll know. There'll be no questions. You will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. And in the morning, not just in the evening, but in the morning, I like this, you will see the glory of God. You'll see him. You'll see God show up. See his power on display. Because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we that you should grumble against us? Moses like, I didn't do this. (laughs) This wasn't my idea. Um, Who are we that you should grumble against us? Moses also said, just want to get that in there just so you know. 
you will know that it was the Lord. Why or how? When he gives you meat to eat in the evening, that's the quail, and all the bread you want in the morning because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You're not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. God says, I'm going to provide in such a way that you will know. You will know man can't make this happen. You will know it's divine provision. The quail in the evening and every morning when you wake up, there'll be bread, there'll be manna from heaven on the ground to sustain you. And friends, that's what took place every single day for 40 years. Every day. That was the routine. Go out, pick up the bread, bring it back in. Go out, get the quail, bring it back in. Just imagine, I don't know what that's, how that settles with some of you thinking you eat the same thing for 40 years. But that's what they did. And what we learn from that story and what we learn from this part of the prayer is that, friends, God is the source. It's not something we can manufacture or make happen. But he's who one who provides. He's the one who's given us the gifts and abilities and talents that we have that even can provide for our families. It's not like you pick that skill set out of a, on a sheet of paper like before you were born. I want this and this and this. No, you've been given gifts and abilities and talents and resources, spiritual resources that are gifts of God's grace to us. So we know that he's the one to provide. So when we pray this prayer, God, give us today what we need. And as we watch him provide, might we remember it's he is the source. Second thought is this. God's provision is not just something for you and I to hold on to tightly that is just for us. But God's provision, I believe, is meant to be shared. We live open-handed. Even as God said to Abraham back in Genesis chapter 12, he said, Abraham, I'm going to make your name great. And it's not just so your name is great. It's so that you can be a blessing. It's what I'm going to give you, Abraham, isn't just for you, but it's also to be shared with other people. And that's, I believe, the even idea here of God's provision. It's not just for you and I to hold on to and say, God, thank you so much for giving. Like many times God has given us resources and provision, spiritual provision, physical provision, to then give away, to share with other people. That's even the sense of, again, the Exodus story, Exodus 16, when they're gathering up the bread and the quail, the meat. Uh, what it says in Exodus 16, verse 16, it says this, Then this is what the Lord has commanded. Each one of you, each one is to gather as much as he needs and take an omer. That was kind of the measurement, uh, the, the amount, if you will, for uh, each person. And take an omer for each person that you have in your tent. So the idea is that, that, that God is providing the manna and the quail. He's providing all they need. And, and people are going out to gather it. And what, what, what Moses tells them is, don't just think about yourself. But as you gather these tangible resources on the ground and bring them back, it's not just for you, but it's for others. It's for other people. It's to be shared, dispersed, distributed, not just held on to. Yes, it's for you to enjoy, but it's also to be given to others. 
So again, as we look at this text, we can look at it from a variety of angles. I want us to, again, look at it from the sense of the community, the corporate, the collective, if you will. So we think about Hope Church. Like God has provided resources for us. What do we do? Do we just use them on us or do we continue to have a posture that says, God, these aren't just for us, but they're to be, we are to live open-handedly. So let's talk about a few things. We talk about our facility and grounds, property that God has given to us here on Pearl Road in Brunswick, Ohio. God has given us incredible piece of ground, incredible facility, great property. And we use it for ministries throughout the week. But at the same time, we have to realize this is all a gift. What does it look like to live open-handed as it relates to our facility and our grounds, as it relates to our community? How can we live open-handed towards them with what God has given to us? Our financial resources, through sacrificial gifts, we have a budget, we have resources, financial resources that we use to pay for utility bills and mortgages and ministry budgets and salaries. And, but we realize that we've been given these resources not just for us, but to bless others. So we just finished up our, our budget uh, for 2018. You'll see it in a few weeks. And in the budget again, we, as we talk through the budget, we just don't budget, uh, have line items for ministries here. But we feel very prompted and led to bless other ministries outside of this place. Because it's not just about us. And we live open-handed, so we bless Oasis, and we give to Oaks, and we give to Love, Inc., and we give to Crew, and we give thousands of dollars here on a monthly basis, go not to help ministries here, but to even help ministries within our district that we're a part of in the Christian and Missionary Alliance. Thousands of dollars every month, because we long to see more churches start, and more ministries happen as it relates to a district level within our denomination. We live open-handed. And another resource that maybe sometimes we don't think about is people. And what does it look like for you and I, what does it look like for Hope Church to live open-handed as it relates to people? A few months ago now, some of you are aware of this because of your friendship and relationship with them, and some of you are not, that Alex and Catherine Litvak, their family that was a part of Hope Church for a number of years, uh, they and their children um, felt prompted to leave Hope Church and be part of a new church starting up in Parma. We, there was a speaker that he's the pastor, he spoke, and even as we prayed that morning, we said, God, if there's someone or family here that feels led to go, would they feel the prompting your spirit and be willing to go? And they did. And we live open handed. I remember having a conversation with Alex, and he's like, Is it okay if we go? And I was like, Alex, absolutely. <laughs> We want to be willing to help new churches start. We want to be a resource to other churches in our community. So we live open-handed as it relates to people. Andy and Michelle Svoboda, who are in Jamaica. Brandon and Stephanie Noel, who are in Indonesia. We live open-handed with people and share these resources that God has given to us. And maybe you know where I'm going. This week, many of you received the email um, that was sent, that I sent out, letting you know about an opportunity for us to share. To share friends and family. 
David and Anne Marie Trainer have sensed over these weeks God leading them to join another ministry called Beulah Beach. I remember five and a half or so years ago in 2011, talking as a team, a leadership team about, God, we need some, we want to hire someone else to help in the areas of youth ministry and worship ministry. And we were like, God, who? We don't know who. We just prayed and we prayed and we prayed. And David and Amory's name came to our minds and we pursued them and talked to them. And I remember our first conversation, I, I think David was just there, I don't think Anne Marie was there, but some on our leadership team, and uh, we got together at Gyro George. You know, you don't want to start too high, you know, you just got to, <laughs> right down here, we're going Gyro George, you know, and, and, uh, but we sat down at Gyro George, and we had our first kind of sit-down conversation about him join, them joining our team. And then, over those weeks, God confirmed that they were his provision for us. And over these weeks, they've sensed that they are to be God's provision for another place. And the challenge for us, this is where it gets hard. <laughs> the challenge for us is to be willing to live open-handed and say, God, we'll share. We will bless and we will give away to bless another ministry. So I want you to hear from them. Uh, they're going to come and uh, share even the letter. Uh, for those especially, maybe they didn't have a chance to read it this week. So David and Amory, would you guys come and uh, share today? <clears throat> so sometimes when you get... Uh, letters, it's easy to like maybe dehumanize them. Uh, oh, who's this writing? Uh, and so we just wanted a chance. Uh, as I wrote it, um, I said, these are the words that I want to share uh, with the people that I love. Uh, so uh, these, are, these are from our hearts uh, to you. I read this verse uh, just a couple weeks ago in my time with the Lord, and I'll just start with that. To our Hope Church family, a man makes his plans, but the Lord determines his steps. Proverbs 16, 9. A good friend of mine recently paraphrased this verse to say, someone can make plans, but the Lord will mess them all up. Uh, a little, little over five years ago, uh, I remember uh, walking into an interview with the elders at Hope Church, antsy and eager for the opportunity to serve in a thriving, God-seeking missional church. Looking back, I am thankful Hope Church decided to take a chance on a newly married, young 23-year-old boy passionate about serving the Lord. Some other reasons our family felt called to begin ministry here at Hope Church uh, were to be stretched and to learn from the best people that we knew. And God's idea of stretching and teaching us was very different from what we could have ever imagined. But we wouldn't change it. The experiences he allowed our family to learn and grow through could not have been manufactured on our own. God has been in it, and God has been faithful throughout. Life sometimes seems like it's broken up by a bunch of chapters. As certain seasons end, they launch us into new chapters of life, and we carry with us all that we have discovered previously. And it is with joy uh, and grief that I inform you today that I have accepted a call to serve at Beulah Beach Camp and Retreat Center as their resident camp and sports ministry director. 
As I've been reflecting over my time here, some of the greatest memories I have of Hope Church exist in experiences such as our high school trips to Peru and Life Conference, Hope's Got Talent, worshiping with you during weekend services, the middle school belief trip, our weekly ignite, family services with Biff Burns, (laughs) and more. And while I celebrate how God used each of those opportunities in many lives, I believe the thing I will remember and love the most about hope is its people. The pastoral and support staff that I've been able to serve alongside are wise, godly, fun, and faithful people, and I know that they desire all God wants for this church and its people. Uh, The team of volunteers and leaders that serve in our youth, kids, and worship ministries are some of the most positive, compassionate, and servant-hearted people I have known, and they will allow these ministries to continue to thrive at Hope. The high school students, the middle school students, the parents in these ministries, the worship team members, the elders and their families, I believe the people of Hope Church are the best thing about Hope Church. Anne-Marie and I hope uh, that during these weeks that we have left, we will laugh together, uh, share fun fun memories that we have with each other, uh, and talk about how God has worked and is continuing to work in our lives. Our final weekend on staff here at Hope will be Sunday, November 19th, but we do look forward to the continuing the partnership we have in helping people find hope right down the road at Beulah Beach. Throughout this journey, we have wrestled with various fears and questions which we have had to lay down before our God. Will our daughter Lennon ever be loved by a church family as much as she is hope? Will people misunderstand our motives for moving by simply assuming we are leaving because of some of the recent circumstances we have faced uh, or because of increased responsibilities asked of us? Uh, Will our friends uh, and the people we love feel abandoned? In response to these questions and more, uh, the Lord has asked us, do you trust me? And we have continued to say yes. While we come to the grips with the realities that occur when a chapter comes to a close, we entrust this church to Jesus and rest in the peace that God is continuing to lead us, proving his faithfulness along the way. During times like these, my heart resonates with Paul's writing and his letter to a church in the book of Philippians. He says this, I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership and the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Hope Church family, whenever I think about you, I will thank God for you. After five years of serving here, I have the sense in many ways I began as a young boy and have grown into a man. My time here has been foundational, developmental, and crucial to the Lord's further calling in our lives. When I think of you, I pray with joy uh, because I have labored alongside many of you and have um, learned so much from your lives through our friendships and joining together in God's work. And I believe your fingerprints will continue to be on us in every way that God uses us ahead. And lastly, I am confident 
that God has great things in store for Hope Church and will carry this work on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. God is using this pastoral team, the faithful leadership, and the people here to advance his work. The following song lyrics have ministered to my heart recently. I believe we're singing it in a few minutes. Uh, but this is what it says. I will sing of all you've done, and I'll remember how far you've carried me. From beginning to the end, you are faithful, faithful to the end. We appreciate your continued prayers as we begin this transition and head into this new chapter. With love, Pastor David and Anne-Marie Trainer. Thanks, guys, for sharing that. Friend, yeah, you can, yeah. So this is, again, like I said earlier, this is where it gets hard. Are we willing to live open-handed? As God leads those who are part of us, away from us, are we willing to say, we bless you? We affirm you. And that's the posture our leadership has taken towards David in all these conversations over these weeks uh, for us. And, and I pray it's the posture that we as a church continue to have. And, um, and why this is so, one of the reasons this is so hard is because there's so much love. It'd actually be sad if it felt the other way. Like, when are you leaving? Um, but it doesn't. And it hurts. And it hurts because there's a lot of love. So we acknowledge the emotion and the feelings. It's good to do that. And I want to take some time. We'll continue to pray for them and over these weeks. And I want to take a moment even now in the middle of this and just to pray for them and pray for Hope Church in the days ahead. So would you bow your head and let's pray. God, even as we, the theme this morning, your faithfulness, and God, I'm thankful that five and a half or so years ago, um, you or David and Anne Marie were bread to us as a community, provision. And Lord, they've been among us and they've walked with us and they've taught us and they've led us, they've invested in so many, shared their lives with so many. And Lord, um, I, again, our hearts are sad and we're filled with incredible grief. Um, but Lord, at the same time, I have found my heart in moments just filled with excitement for Beulah Beach and all that they will bring to that ministry. It's a place that we, our church, loves and partners with. And, and even selfishly, God, there's a part of me that says, I'm thankful they're only going an hour away, uh, that we'll get to see them and be with them. And I envision them even coming back here at times. And so thank you for that gift. So I pray, God, in tangible ways, would you help them and their family in this transition? Transitions are hard for a lot of different reasons. Would you help them? And God, we ask, would you give us today what we need, our daily bread as a church body? You know, the holes that'll be left and the voids that'll be left and the leadership that'll be needed. And Lord, we just ask that you would provide. Give us wisdom, give our leadership wisdom and discernment. Help us to wait, be willing to wait for your plans, your provision, and show us, God, what we're to do. So, God, even as David said in his uh, letter, and Amory said in their letter, Lord, we trust you. We give this to you, and we trust you, Lord, for the days and weeks and months ahead. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Would you show your love and support for David and Amory?
So I just want to say a few more things and then really quickly and then we'll, we'll really wrap up. And I'm not just saying that. We'll wrap up. We really will. Um, I know this change brings up a lot of questions. Uh, what does it mean for children's ministry, for our student ministry, uh, middle school, high school, our volunteers? Like what is, what's going to happen? And um, today we're not going to go into all those uh, sharing some of the plans. We are actively having conversations. We started having them last week. We have some on the calendar for next week, just talking through what is, what are we doing in the immediate and what are we doing long-term um, as it relates to staffing and volunteers and mini- these ministries to make sure they continue to thrive in the midst of this transition. So we are doing that. We want to let you know that um, that ne- ministries for the next generation uh, still continue to be a priority and will be a priority uh, here at Hope. As it relates to our finances, again, I mentioned the budget. Those two ministry budgets are the largest ones, um, and that's very intentional on our part. We don't apologize for that. It's just we believe in investing intentionally through finances and staffing um, in the next generation. So you can know that. um, Two dates, especially as it relates to Ignite for parents and students, Wednesday, November 1st, Sunday, November 5th, after middle school, MSM and HSM on Sunday nights, we're going to have some parent and uh, student meetings just to get together, uh, get talk together about plans moving forward. We'll also communicate through our email. So if you don't get the email, or if you don't read your email, encourage you to read your emails. Um, just encourage you to do that. So mark those dates down. We'll remind you uh, as they uh, get closer. So Hope Church today, it's not by some random coincidence that this phrase in the Lord's Prayer, give us today our daily bread, is what we're talking about. And maybe in some new ways, collectively, we're praying this prayer. God, would you give us today our daily bread, what we need today? And I just want to mention one more reality as it relates to God's provision. God's provision keeps us humble and it teaches us to trust him. It keeps us humble. Jesus has asked, like, give us. So when you're asking, when you say, give me something, like there's a need, there's a void, there's a gap. And it keeps us humble because we don't have what we need. And it humbles us to ask and to trust that God will provide. Deuteronomy chapter 8 uh, is an interesting passage. Just, I'm not going to make a lot of comments about it, but really just jumping down to the end. This passage is right as the Israelites are moving into the promised land. And the, the heading of this passage is don't forget the Lord. Don't forget him. As you go into the promised land, don't forget And then it says this, verse 2, Remember how the Lord led you all the way in the desert these 40 years to humble you and to test you in order that you know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, the manna, daily manna, which neither you nor your forefathers, your fathers knew to teach you. What's the purpose? To teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. To teach us these realities. And friends, I know this year, these several last several months, we have had to trust God in unique ways. And I know this change, maybe it's like here, another change. And it's an opportunity for us to say, God, like David said and Amory said in their letter, God, we will trust you. We will trust you through this and we will watch you provide. So I invite you to pray with us on this journey. Pray for them. Pray for Hope Church that we continue to see God's provision his daily bread that he provides for us. I'm going to pray. I invite you to stand as I pray, and then we're going to sing a song as we wrap up.
God, I want to thank you for this passage. Again, it's not by chance we're here today. And Lord, we need, we need wisdom. We need help. We need staffing. We need leaders. God, we need help. And so Lord, I just pray that you would provide the physical needs, the spiritual needs, the leadership needs, the wisdom. God, would you meet us in our grief and loss? And Lord, I just pray again, you would take care of David and Anne-Marie and Lennon. Would you take care of Hope Church? Would you take care of Beulah Beach in new and significant ways so that we can see the glory of the Lord as the manna showed up every day. God said, you're going to see the glory of the Lord. See God show up. Lord, are we over these weeks and months ahead just be able to say we saw God's glory unlike any other way we've seen it before. So we trust you, we follow you, and we ask for your daily bread. And we pray these things in your name. Amen.